Reminding us that Christians aren't the only ones who live by faith, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Everybody lives by faith, so what's the difference? The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is where you place that faith. That's of utmost importance. When you place your faith in the one true creator God, you have both substance and evidence. You believe that he is, and you believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You choose to place your faith anywhere else, then you live a life of emptiness and a lack of hope. This is amazing grace. John Bunyan, writer of the classic Pilgrim's Progress, famously said, hope is never ill when faith is well. Since we all live by faith and our faith is tied to hope, it's important that our faith is well-placed. We'll get some help with that on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In our study of Hebrews, we come to the example of Abel, who worshiped God by faith. Here now with his story is Pastor Ed. Hebrews chapter 11 in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, Abel Worships God. So we're on this study through the book of Hebrews, and we've come to chapter 11, which really begins the application part of Hebrews. For the first 10 chapters, we have a couple themes that have been unfolded, that have been revealed to us. The first one is, remember, Paul is writing to a group of Jewish Christians in the first century that are wanting to go backwards to a time, back to the place of formal religion. They miss the temple worship and, and they miss the formalities of, of the priesthood and the temple and the incense and, and the sacrifices. Besides that, they're feeling pressure from their family. They're feeling pressure from their culture because for them in the first century to follow Jesus Christ meant to lose everything and they're experiencing the loss of everything and being tempted to go backwards. How we apply that in our lives, of course, is the constant temptation to backslide. The constant temptation that we're faced to not go forward and press in, but instead to choose to go backward, maybe even to a formal religion that God saved you out of. And there's that tension there. And that's been a theme that Paul has been writing chapter after chapter very specifically. The second thing that we learn, which is far more important, and that is, is that Jesus is sufficient. Your faith in Jesus Christ is sufficient. You find all your sufficiency in him, that he is superior. And so page after page and teaching after teaching has been this constant teaching and reminder that Jesus is sufficient and he's superior in every single way imaginable. The new covenant supersedes the old covenant. And Hebrews, remember, is filled with warnings. There was the warning against drifting, the warning against doubting, the warning against becoming dull, despising God's word, and even defying God's word, which leaves us the question of application. And the question of application is this. Okay, you have made your case. You have convinced me. So how do I do this? How? And remember at the end of chapter 10, 
toward the, maybe verse 35, 36, actually in verse 38, the answer is, the just shall live by faith. Everything's by faith. That's what God values, by faith. How do I make it through the day? By faith. How do I face the uncertainty of my bills? By faith. How do I raise my children? By faith. How do I remain single? By faith, by faith, by faith. You weren't just saved by faith. You also live by faith in the daily, moment-by-moment abiding relationship that we have with Christ. How do I apply these principles in my life? I do so by trusting God. Because over and over again, we're going to come back to verse 6 of chapter 11, and we're going to be reminded in each of the people we study, this truth is universal. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There is no way, no alternative, no second, third, fourth, tenth option of pleasing God except by faith. There's faith that operates in two ways. Believing that God is who he said. You believe in God, you believe God. And you also know and believe that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Now it's been some time since we opened up in chapter 1. Would you come back to Hebrews 1 with me? So we build some context as we get into this, what is known as the Hall of Faith, chapter 11. We've spent some time, some introductory studies in chapter 11 already, but today we get to the first person. His name is Abel. Before we look at Abel, though, let's be reminded how Hebrews opens up. As soon as the Hebrew believers receive this letter, the very first word in the letter is God. Hebrews opens up with God. And it says this, God who at various times, this is Hebrews 1.1. God who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Let me read it to you from the New Living. It says, and now in these final days he has spoken to us through his son. Notice, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3 who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, he is an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hebrews opens up with God. This letter opens up with God because he's the central focus. There's no attempt to prove his existence. There's no attempt to substantiate his existence because there's no need. God exists and we're his creation. And it's God who speaks. But you know, a lot of different theories and replacements for God have attempted to speak over the years. For example, evolution. You know, evolution doesn't speak. Why? Because man created it. So through evolution, it's man's voice. Atheism doesn't speak. Why? Because man created atheism. And man speaking through that philosophy, agnosticism doesn't speak. Why? Because man created it. False religions of every kind, false philosophies of every kind, they don't speak. They're just vehicles for the voice of man. No, it's only God who speaks. And remember, we learn we would never know who God is unless he chose to reveal himself to us. 
And so we know who God is because he revealed himself to us through his word. And in our last couple of studies, we presented to you evidence of why you can believe the Bible is an accurate, the translation of the Bible you have is an accurate representation of the very God-breathed, God-inspired autographs that were written over 1,600 years, 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents, so that today you have no contradictions, but one central theme, God's love for mankind and his pursuit to redeem and rescue men and women from their sin. God revealed himself, and it's in his revelation through his word that we learn, both by precept and by practice, that God is who he said he is. And remember, we learned the significance, not just of the external evidence of the Bible, but the more weighty evidence that Jesus Christ himself believed the Bible to be the literal word of God. And, you know, we, of course, believe that because Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. But, that, you know, most people don't believe that. So they have to actually consider that Jesus not only believed the Bible, but he taught it. And not only did he teach it, but he based his very life upon it. And you go, well, wait a minute. So what difference does it make if Jesus believed? How can you prove to me that what Jesus said is true? And the singular proof that Jesus provides to you and to me that everything he said and did was true is the resurrection, that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and is alive right now, bringing witness to his scriptures to all who believe. Hebrews opens up with God because he's the central theme. And you and I, we can't know God unless he reveals himself to us. And that main message from God to man requires him to reveal, and out of his grace he has. We can't figure out God on our own. We have these walls around us. They're called time and space. We have limitations. We don't have infinite knowledge. We are continually learning. God has infinite knowledge and never learns anything. And for us, we're like in a box and God must invade our box and reveal himself to us. God is in the supernatural. We live in the natural realm. And yet in his love, he revealed himself to us. Now, when we come to back to Hebrews 11. This is so encouraging to me because we see how faith, our faith has substance and evidence. Although we may be accused of taking this blind leap into the dark and we have blind faith, every single person that has ever placed their faith in Jesus Christ is not blind, but now you can see. It's the exact opposite of that accusation. You actually aren't blind at all. You can see God has removed the blinders. And yet you're not, it's not like blind faith, like there's no evidence. There's not like a a blind faith where you're just kind of believing things because people told you. No, faith has both evidence and substance. And we have learned, haven't we? Every single human being that has ever lived on the planet lives by faith. Everybody lives by faith. Everybody believes in something and someone. And everyone lives by faith. We trust in a lot of different ways. We trust others when we're driving. We trust when someone makes a promise to us, we trust them to deliver on that promise. Anybody ever hand you a check? You trust that that check with the numbers on it represents how much money's in the bank. I remember in the early days when I worked for a family, when we got our checks, we all rushed to the bank because the first ones to cash their check got money until the money ran out. 
And if the money ran out, anybody ever work like that? It's like, Ed, you, you work for a bad company. Oh, yeah, there was a great family, but there were times when money was tight. And so if we got our check, we took off for lunch to the bank to get our money first, because if they didn't have money, it would be another week until we got paid. Anybody amen to that? Anybody who live like that? Like, it doesn't happen that way anymore. It's like direct deposit, you know, it's like, oh. But when we got a check from our employer that said, you can have this money. This is a promise that if you take this money, it'll be deposited in. You have to live by faith. How do you know if they have the money? How do you know if it's ever going to be transferred into your account? Everybody lives by faith. So what's the difference? The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is where you place that faith. That's of utmost importance. When you place your faith in the one true creator God, you have both substance and evidence You believe that he is, and you believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You choose to place your faith anywhere else, then you live a life of emptiness and a lack of hope. So we come to chapter 11, and we see what faith looks like in the real world. Although we're reading from the Bible, sometimes we place the people in the Bible in some other category, like they were so different from us. And while they were separated by time and culture, for sure, And while these men who had no television, no internet, they had no airplane travel, they had no cars, they had very little of what we have today, they still were able to live a life of dynamic, amazing faith that we are studying their lives today to encourage us. They were normal people. And you know that as you read through some of these names, some of these people experience great failure, great sin. But how does God remember them? He doesn't remember them for their sin. Hebrews chapter 11 isn't known as the hall of failure. It's known as the hall of faith. God remembers them for their faith and what their faith led to in action. Because I'll tell you this, what you believe and who you believe in will dictate your behavior. Which means that by our lives, by our lives, people can tell what we believe in which makes it possible, doesn't it? To say one thing, but live another. We have a word for that. It's called hypocrisy, where it's possible to say one thing, but your beliefs actually dictate your behavior. And so your behavior can betray your words, as we'll get to that in a moment when we see the life of Cain and Abel and the contrast in their lives. What you believe and who you believe in will dictate how you choose to live your life. It will cause you to choose and affect how you choose to relate to those around you. It will speak to your motives. And men and women, just like you and me, fill chapter 11. And that encourages me. Because God remembers them not for their failures, but for their faith. We, on the other hand, we often remember ourselves and perhaps even remember others for their failures. And it's too bad. It's too bad that we get stuck on the failures of others failing to forgive, failing to move forward, and only, only holding against people their failures instead of encouraging their faith. And the person that we do that the most to is ourselves. We do that in the form of regret. We do that in the form of hopelessness and just thinking, man, nothing's ever going to amount to our lives, but that's not our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ is God building us up by faith and his choice to use us. And God took note of these men and women, not for their failure, not for their stumbling, not even for their humanity, but for their faith. So let's come to Abel here in chapter 11, verse 4, and let's learn what Abel is remembered by. 
By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, through faith, he being dead still speaks. Abel. Abel is the first in a long line of people whose lives and actions teach us about the life and lifestyle of faith. Abel was the son of a very popular couple. Their names, Adam and Eve. He's the son of Adam and Eve and experienced a life of faith that his parents could never experience. I want you to consider, first of all, the family in which Abel was raised. Because Abel and his brother Cain were living a life of faith that his, their parents were unable to experience. And this is why. Adam and Eve experienced an intimate life with God without sin. They were able to enjoy. We're not told how long, but it is estimated quite a bit of time they were able to enjoy the presence of God in the Garden of Eden, untainted by sin, which, by the way, would require no faith because they had intimacy. They were close. They were with God. And it didn't require faith like you and I require faith. See, they saw, they experienced, they lived out their relationship. We, like Abel, we have to live by faith. That's why one of the biggest issues in your life and mine is believing God, trusting God. You know why we don't? We don't trust God at times because circumstances knock us down and we're overwhelmed by pain and sorrow and difficulty and worry and fear. Circumstances blind us to the reality of God. Lies come at us constantly, constantly, constantly and we choose to believe a lie instead of the truth of God's word. Feelings, circumstances, lies, temptations, they all seek to undermine, and you just hear that voice constantly. Did God really say? Did God really say? Is God really good? Did he really promise not to? Is God going to keep his promises? You know, it looks like God's not going to keep his promise. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It looks like God's not going to keep his promise. And we're constantly under attack to believe God and to live our lives by faith. Can you imagine the discussions and the, the time that Adam and Eve enjoyed talking to their boys about how it used to be? How it used to be. Can you imagine them sharing their testimony? It's the exact opposite of how we share our testimonies in many ways. But can you imagine, boys? Let's, let's just come around. Let's talk, about, let's talk about where we were as they're discipling and training their kids in the ways of God. Boys, we were on the other side. It, it was amazing. It was unbelievable. We looked into his face. We walked with him. We talked with him. We heard his voice. Nothing compares, boys, to what it's like to be in the presence of God without sin. And what a sweet time that must have been. For Adam and Eve, until they sinned, there was no need for faith because they enjoyed God in his very essence. But for their kids and every generation after, well, for Cain and Abel, they were the first generation that needed faith in its deepest, most meaningful sense because they needed to trust that what mom and dad were telling them was true. Now, I've made a conscious choice over the years to share with my kids 
my testimony. It's a very bad, ugly testimony that had not God intervened at the age of 23, I would not be here today. I wouldn't be alive. And I have chosen, Marie and I have chosen over the years at age-appropriate levels to tell our kids what it was like on the other side. But it wasn't the Garden of Eden. It was the side of sin, of what sin can really do to a person, how it can really deceive you, how it can really corrode you, how you can cooperate so much with sin that you actually think that you're having fun and you're enjoying life and you're living life to the fullest all the while you're destroying yourself, the people that love you, all the people that care about you. You're a drain on society. And in my case, you're in and out of jail. You're making really stupid decisions. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time. And at every level, we would tell. As a matter of fact, for two of our children, we were very specific. For our second and our third kids, well, I would look them in the eye and they'd go, if it wasn't for the grace of God, you guys wouldn't be here. You would not be alive. You would have never been conceived because if I was still alive, me and your mom would never be together. We probably wouldn't even be talking to each other. Things were so bad. But Adam and Eve, they shared the opposite. It's like, it's so bad now, but it was so good then. And so for us as parents, we share our testimonies. Why? Well, number one, I wanted my kids to understand the pain and penalty of sin. But secondly, I wanted my kids to understand the great grace of God. I did not just want them to hear about the things of God. I wanted them to experience the things of God. And the very home that they live in was a home created by the grace of God. A home sustained by the grace of God. And a home that will stay together. How? By the grace of God. Adam and Eve is like, man, it used to be so good, but we blew it. Sometimes your kids need to hear how you've blown it. They need to hear you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, the mistakes that you made and the redemptive power of God to forgive you of those mistakes. And so as they're discipling their kids, Somehow they conveyed to them, it's not told to us in the scriptures, but they conveyed to their children the requirements of God in worship. Because that's where we pick up in Hebrews, Abel worshiping God. And he was worshiping God by faith. Go back to Genesis chapter 4. Let's find out, because we have insight on this event in Hebrews in Genesis chapter 4. So come back with me, Genesis chapter 4, as we meet Abel's brother, we know him to be Cain, but we're going to meet him here in chapter 4. Then we're going to find out what happened and what Hebrews 11.4 is all about. So Genesis chapter 4, pick up with me in verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now understand it. Verse 2 here, neither one of these things are bad things. They're just doing things differently. Notice now in verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel, verse 4, also brought of the first things of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. We'll pause here, but our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, will return next time to conclude this teaching. We'll learn why the worship Abel offered to God was accepted and Cain's was rejected. That's Tuesday on Abounding Grace. 
To give this a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Especially during the pandemic, depression and anxiety have been on the rise. And maybe that's something you or someone you know has been dealing with. We want to help you by sending you an insightful book called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. Author Edward Welch compassionately addresses the complex nature of depression, applying the rich treasures found in the Bible. There is a way out of the darkness, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order this and many other resources through our e-store at calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at aboundinggraceradio.com. There's much more to come in Hebrews, and we'll cover some more ground tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.